nice and most wonderful time of the year. You know, except all those aches and pains that creep up as the weather gets cooler, or God forbid you pull a Clark Griswold while putting up the lights. But what if there's a way to be able to enjoy the cold weather of the holiday season without the associated bodily aches and pains? Well, imagine no further as Evil's CBD Topical Freeze Gel is here to the rescue. Whether it's to help that nagging shoulder injury from sports ball game of yesteryear, or it's to help alleviate those deep aches and pains, CBD Topical Freeze Gel from Evil's offers the industry best quality and strength to offer lasting relief from chronic pain. And this holiday season, all members of the Brian Nichols Show audience can get that perfect gift to self or stocking stuffer for that fitness fanatic in the family at an exclusive discount at checkout using code TBNS. Again, use code TBNS at checkout to get your discount applied to your order. Listen, the holidays are especially tough this year, so let's at least not spend them in pain. So use code TBNS at checkout to see the evil's difference today. Faced with an uncertain future, many business owners and technology professionals don't have the time needed to invest in their business technology strategies. And as a result, they're afraid of their technology getting outdated and putting their company and customers' information at risk. The digital future is already here, but with all different choices in the marketplace, it's difficult to know which one will be the best fit for you and your strategic vision. Imagine having the peace of mind that your business is backed by the right technology investments that are tailored for your specific need. Hi, I'm Brian Nichols, and I've helped countless business owners and technology professionals just like you, helping you make informed decisions about what technologies are best to invest in for your business. Voice, bandwidth, cybersecurity, business continuity, juggling all the aspects of business technology is messy. Let me help. Head to briannicholshow.com forward slash help and sign up for a free one-on-one -on -one consultation with yours truly to dig deep into where you see your company heading and how we can align your business technology towards those goals. Again, that's briannicholshow.com forward slash help to get your simplified business technology started today. Victor Antonio, welcome to the program. Selling is all about really, it's, we're not selling a product, you're not selling a service, you're not selling value, you're not selling whatever you think you're selling, a solution. You're selling change. Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. As a sales and marketing executive in the greater telecommunications cybersecurity industry, Brian works with C-level executives to help them future-proof their company's infrastructure for an uncertain future. And in each episode, Brian takes that experience and applies it to the liberty movement. And this is why we talk about being the trusted advisor. You should be able to help use that expert guidance and all the opinions that I'm sure that you have and help lead them towards not just a decision, but the right decision. Instead of focusing on simply winning arguments or being right, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and their application in the world of politics, showing you how to ask better questions, tell better stories, and ultimately change people's minds. And now, your host, Brian Nichols. So with that, guys, I'm not going to keep you waiting anymore. On to the show. Me on Gary Collins' Your Better Life podcast. Welcome to Your Better Life with Gary Collins. We all know life is rough, so come get your hard hat. Here's Gary. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 14 of Your Better Life Podcast. I'm your host, Gary Collins. I am the creator of the thesimplelifenow.com and the Simple Life book series and my off-the-grid book series. So with that, also make sure since I don't use social media really, no Facebook, no Instagram. Yes, I'm a crazy guy. I hate them both. Um, 
go to the simplelifenow.com forward slash better life, sign up, you get some free goodies. And that's how you're going to stay up to date. And I send out all my information through that. So make sure to sign up. And also the thriller series with AC Fuller is out. We are on book number four of our novella series and it is doing really well. And I'd like to hear it. If you can figure out what parts I contributed to, send me an email. I'd like to hear it if you can figure out what parts I contributed. But we're here today with Brian Nichols of The Brian Nichols Show. I was on his show, what? What, what, what was it? A month ago? Uh, yeah, somewhere there, like a month. Uh, yeah, I think, actually, I think to, to the day, a month ago, actually. Yeah, and it was interesting because Brian has a libertarian show. And wasn't I your first guest never to speak politics at the time? Actually, you were my, my second guest. And it's that, funny because the, the first guest was literally like three episodes before you. Um, so the, the timing actually worked out kind of funny how close they came together, even though I've been doing the show for two years. Uh, but no, it was great because it is, you know, my show is a very political show. And to have someone on my show who was overtly non-political, but still was able to talk about the concepts and freedoms, or the concepts and liberties that we discuss on a day-to-day basis in my show, it was just, it was really cool to see those two worlds come together. Well, and after, like I told you, spending 20 years in the federal government, some of the last things I want to talk about are politics to most people. I don't mind doing it. I don't put it in any of my in any of my writings, any of my teachings, because I just don't feel it's a place for self-improvement. Um and self-help and bettering yourself. It just gets cluttered and it's so divisive. But I, I, I don't mind speaking politics in certain formats. It, mm-hmm. it, it really depends. And people are pretty shocked by my political views because everyone, it's funny, I've been on shows and that may be left-leaning. They instantly think I'm right-leaning. And once they figure out a middle of the road, <laughs> it kind of throws them <laughs> off a little bit. and. I have some views that would be considered liberal, some that would be considered right, but most of them fit in the middle. And that's why I loved your show. It's a libertarian show. And uh, it was good. So tell uh, to start before we get too in the weeds, and we will. It's, this is going to be a good episode. People are going to really like this one. Um, kind of tell where you came from, a little bit of your background, and then we can kind of meld into what you do now on the show, just so people understand where you come from. Yeah, no, absolutely. So um, really, my beginning in politics, I'll, I guess I'll kind of start there, was when I was born. Um, I bo- was born into a very political family. My dad uh, ran for county legislator for uh, my home my home district and won and was uh, our legislator for 15 years. So growing up in a very political household, getting to meet people that I never thought I'd ever get the chance to meet. And, and honestly, a lot of kids never would have the fortune to meet. I mean, meaning my sitting U.S. Senator, uh, sitting U.S. Congressman, um, you know, sitting Assembly uh, person. It just, it was, is very unique. And, it, and honestly, it was, it was very exciting to have that opportunity to meet these type of people. And I, I just got fascinated with the political process. I got uh, very involved in, in uh, partisan politics, working for, um, I think at the end of it, four uh, campaigns as, you know, a, a, basically a full-time staff person. Um, and, by the end of it, I decided I wanted to, uh, you know, explore going into leading campaigns. And then, you know, I was on a congressional campaign. I realized I did not want to do that because it's just, it, it, I mean, it, there is no life. Like you, you literally have no life whatsoever. So I, I decided, you know, instead what I wanted to do was kind of go into the private sector and do what I could from the sidelines, supporting candidates, um, helping raise awareness. And that really inspired me to get involved in trying to elect, um, you know, 
Rand Paul for, for president back in mm-hmm. 2015. And that was really kind of my first dip in the toe into libertarian politics because, um, you know, I was very libertarian at my core. Um, and just seeing that, you know, Rand didn't even stand a chance in this populism that existed in the world. Um, it led me more towards the, the libertarian camp in terms of the libertarian party, but also just libertarian society, the libertarian groups on Facebook, the, um, you know, the, the, the meetup groups, the networking groups in, in, you know, that my, my local city. And for me, it was a chance to get into a different world and to start to look to see ways I could promote this different world. Um, so I, I got involved on uh, Austin Peterson's The Libertarian Republic as an associate editor and uh, you know, did a lot of work over there. Uh, he gave me the opportunity to do a, a podcast myself for uh, his network. I did that for about, uh, I want to say like three or four months. Um, and it was more of a weekly news show, uh, kind of wrapping up the topics of the week. And uh, then Chris Spangle over at We Libertarians um, yeah. had reached out. And We Are Libertarians is, is one of, if not the top, um, libertarian podcasts in America in terms of just the outreach. We are actually were featured on um, on iTunes for their their political uh, recommendations. That was pretty cool to see. You know, a, a show like We Are Libertarians giving such an alternative point of view was being featured as you know, one of the top podcasts in the nation for politics. But um, back to the story is um, Chris had reached out to me because he'd really um, you know had a ch- the chance to get to know me as he had me appear in a show a few times. And he said, you know, I'm, I'm looking at growing the network and we're kind of going in this different direction. I, I love this things you're doing over at Austin Peterson's. Would you be open to having your own show on my network? And I said, absolutely. I, I love that opportunity. And um, back in January 2018, I had my, my first episode of The Brian Nichols Show, um, which is a political show literally for, for anyone and everyone. Um, I've had people who are you know, hardcore Trump conservatives all the way to far left Bernie socialists. Um, I've had libertarians, moderates, and, and all those in between. And, and really what we try to do is have conversations with people um, that accomplish three things, educate, enlighten, and inform. And it has to be about issues people care about. Because otherwise, you know, why would they want to listen? Um, so I really try to address um, things I, I know that my audience wants to hear discussed. And I really try to ask questions I think would be interesting to hear responses from. I don't like the softball questions uh, because if you're asking me a softball question, it's like, what do you expect? A softball answer, right? Yeah. Um, so, so that's kind of where I am uh, with my show. Uh, I'm coming up on episode 100 at the end of the year. So a, a lot of moving pieces. It's, it's been a lot of fun. I've had some great guests from you know, Gary yourself um, to sitting congressman like Justin Amash. I uh, had Larry Sharp, who ran for New York City governor, and, and a slew of other you know, economists and political thinkers and, and you know, titans of industry. So uh, it's been a, a great experience to, to really meet a lot of really cool interesting people like yourself and uh, to really build some, some great relationships, but also to talk about things that's giving my audience fulfillment. And they're, they're starting to, I think, you know, grow as an audience, uh, which is, it's exciting for me to see that my having these guests on like yourself and you know, like Tim Price talking about where people can find happiness, right. Um, yeah. To see that it's actually helping people um, that just gave me uh, the goosebumps to, to know that it's having uh, an impact and that the message it is palpable that we can we can spread the message of you know hard work, perseverance, um, you know, individual liberty, personal responsibility, and it's going to help people be better in their own lives. Well, I was going to ask you to define libertarianism, but you just did, uh, right? <laughs> there you go. My followers, I don't even know the demographic of political affiliation because I just don't care. <laughs> um, to be honest with you, my uh, the way I look at it, what I teach is it's bad. You never want to write books this way, but I tell it's for everyone. But if you're interested, (laughs) there's a difference, right? You never want to write a book to 
the 330 close million people in America or 8 billion people in the world. That's not a demographic. But what I try to do is I try and write things that I think everyone can take a piece from. And I think that's what you've done. And that's what I like about how you do things is a lot of shows, especially political today, are about divisiveness. They want to get people ramped up and yelling at each other. That's how they survive as a show. And that's just, that's not the way to do it. That really isn't. You're not serving humanity by doing that. And I'm with you. I don't, I don't care what side you're from. We all have things to share and points of view that are valuable. And I don't like two parties either. I'm not a fan of two parties. There's more than just two parties views. And that's good though. And, and even though we will get in, maybe we will get into a little politics today. Why not? I'm feeling a little goofy today. <laughs> Got snowed in over the weekend. Maybe we will. I told you were a part of that, eh? Oh man, I, I'm so I'm oh, yeah. so jealous. It's going to be 90 here tomorrow. Just just to give you a heads up here in Philadelphia. Oh, I was just in uh, Pennsylvania a couple weeks ago, and it was nice and humid. And uh, oh yeah, I got snowed I like in that. bad. It already it got about a foot, and it's already melted. And we're going back into the 50s. I'm in the mountains, so I usually leave at first sight of snow. <laughs> I, I knew it was going to warm up and it would it would go away. But yeah, you never know. We let's. Uh, this is for if this may be your first episode. This is an open format, as in there's really nothing that's out of the realm of talking about. Long as it betters your life. You know, it's not about, it doesn't always have to be about fluffy bunny rabbits and kittens. It's not that. It's just as long as we can take something out of it, we can learn from it. That's what it's about. So if it goes a little political, hey, that's fine. And if you decide to tune out because I said something or Brian said something you don't like, well, that's a problem. Um, <laughs> I, I would never, I don't do that. There's a lot of shows I listen to, to the host. I don't believe in their views, all of them but I still listen. And that's the way it should be because you close off your mind. And let's get into that just real quickly before we get into Brian's weight loss, which is a fantastic story. And that's why he's here, being that I'm a health guy too, obviously been a health guy a long time. And what happens when you do that is you tune out the other side of, a, of an argument. And one thing that I had a college professor pound in our heads in a great class. I, I want to say it was a political science class. This is 30 years ago, maybe longer. Said, <laughs> you need to understand both sides. If you don't listen and understand both sides, you are actually misinformed and you're making bad decisions based upon purely biased information. And I go, as a 20-year-old, 18-year-old, I went, you know, that kind of makes sense, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. and I've followed that ever since. I will listen to everyone. You know, I listened to the entire Bernie Sanders uh, podcast with Joe Rogan. It was terrible. It was awful, I thought, but I listened to it anyway because, you know, I wanted to hear. I wanted to hear it. And I think that's what other people should do. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Now, I mean, you have a wide range of guests. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's important to, to talk to people outside of your, your comfort zone because that's how you grow as a person. Um, yeah. And, and honestly, if you don't, 
if you don't get used to the fact that things are going to be uncomfortable in life, um, then that's, you're, you're never going to progress. I mean, like you said, you're never going to learn when you're, if we want to make this related to fitness, right? Yep. If, if you're not having small muscle tears, you're not going to grow the size of your muscles. Like you have to be willing to, to have that short-term pain, quite literal pain in order to repair and get, and get bigger. Um, in order to get uh, further in life, whether it's, you know, intellectually, physically, you have to be able to push yourself beyond your comfort zone, maybe get hurt a little bit, but then learn from that and, and grow from that and then get better from that. Um, so, you know, part of my show and just part of who I am as a person is I, I like to have those sometimes difficult conversations with people who I know don't agree with me. Um, and I go into those difficult conversations, not with the intention of trying to persuade someone, which obviously would be a great goal. Um, but I go into the, the goal of trying to best understand where they're coming from, because if you can at least understand where um, the other side is coming from, be, whatever that other side may be, um, and you can truly get a sense of how they got to the conclusions that they have arrived at, then it gives you the chance to figure out how did you get to where your position was? And is there in those journeys any similarities? So for example, yeah. if someone was you know, pro-gay marriage because they, they have a, you know, a gay family member that they wanted to support, uh, and that's entirely the reason they, they did it. And if you were to talk to somebody um, who was pro-gay marriage, let's say, but they were from you know, a different perspective of maybe saying government shouldn't be involved in, in marriage in the first place. There's two different sentiments, but they got to the same conclusion. Well, the opposite can be true, right? Um, we can both recognize a problem and have two different um, conclusions of how to solve the problem. So some people on the left may say, you know, we look at poverty in the world and we say we need to have government to be there to fix the problem. And on the more liberty side, you have people saying, no, the government needs to, to rein back in give more of the money that's being taken from the taxpayer into the taxpayer's hands again, and then let them support private charities that have now a vested interest to do a good job in helping these poor people who are in need. Um, so that, I think that's why it's so important because you get to see where there, the differences are and see maybe if there's a way we can try to come to some common ground. Um, even if we're not walking away agreeing 100%, at least trying to approach a, a sense of, I understand where you're coming from. You're not an evil person. Uh, we just have different goals uh, or not necessarily different goals. We have different means to accomplish our goals. Um, and in our minds, our end conclusions are the, the, the best in terms of being met by what we're presenting. Um, so if you're from the right, again, like you might look at what the, um, the goals of a social society and think, oh, that's a, you know, a nice a goal to aim for, but you're going to be using the government to do it. Um, and that is in an essence using force on me as a person. I don't, I don't consent to that. I don't like that. And we sometimes, uh, attach these negative sentiments to the person who supports that thinking that they have, you know, not a desire to help, you know, solve the ills they see in life, but to actually hurt us. Um, so I think it's, that's why it's so important to have these conversations with people because then we can really see that, no, it's not that we, you know, hate each other and that we you know, are fundamentally opposed to each other based on, you know, just some deep seated resentment, but rather we just misunderstand each other and we're talking past each other, not talking to each other. Hey listeners, I have a short but special announcement. I think you're going to like this. I made a free ebook for you called the simple life, five principles for success and a five principles printout. You can use as a daily reminder to focus on what matters to live a better life. And heck, that's what it's all about, right? Here, it gets better though. Better. Plus, you'll receive a 10% off coupon to the supplement store. Gosh, 
You can't beat that. Get it now by texting Better Life. Here are the instructions though. Better Life, all one word. No spaces. Don't worry about caps. Text it. You need to text it to the number 33777. The ebook shares the five principles and practices crucial to getting more out of your life. Again, text Better Life, all one word, no spaces, to 33777. Now back to the great episode. Well, there's, I always have a saying, there's many solutions to a single problem. And I'll, I'll, I'm going to do a nice little segue or twist here of, you know, think of the divisiveness. I, I do this in the health world of vegans and meat eaters, right? And most, and the two sides can be very dogmatic about it. And I choose not to be. I'm a meat eater. I'm an ancestral health primal guy. I hunt, I fish. I have been since I was a young kid, but I am surrounded in certain ways by vegans. Uh, matter of fact, my book is distributed by a company that is primarily vegans. Hmm. We all get along just fine. We don't argue over dinner. We eat every time we go to a show. We eat together. There are no issues. They don't get on me for ordering what I order. I don't make fun of them for ordering what they order. And that's a, an example of what we do in politics, though. Like right. vegans are very vent. They're all, oh, you torture animals. The, the, you know, the meat eaters are all, you don't understand the circle of life. It, it, it goes around and around. I go, hey, if it's working, I'm totally fine with that. I get that vegans don't want to harm animals. I get it. That is fine. Why are you getting so wound up about it? You know, and and then the vegans, I you know, I'll tell them, hey, just because they eat animals, that's what we've done. You can put together any kind of weird facts you want. Then the archaeology supports the simple fact that we were hunter gatherers. There's no, it's you can't you can't fight it. It's it's scientific fact. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean veganism is wrong, and that's how I look at it. And you know, the health world, it shouldn't be, there shouldn't be any divisiveness in trying to be healthy to begin with. You know what I mean? It's, it's something, it's a goal that every human being should have. And I, I've got some problems with where we're at today. And that's why I wanted to bring you on because you've lost a lot of weight. And I want to yeah. get into how you did it, the battles and overcoming but I've been speaking about this a lot and I don't know if it's come up in any of your shows, but uh, when I do speaking events, almost every time someone will ask me about universal healthcare and they go, you know, what do you think of healthcare? What do you do? You know, what kind of insurance do you have this and that? And it always ends up into, I have to tell them, I go, you need to figure this out on your own. I can't guide you in these decisions. I made life decisions to make sure I had health insurance. I knew that from a very young age because I grew up without it. I grew up poor. My family, we had it here and there, but we really didn't have health insurance. I definitely didn't have it in college. (laughs) So college, (laughs) I was very careful. I made sure I, I did low risk activities most of the time. My keg stands were limited to two a party. I'm kidding. (laughs) But uh, you know what I mean? And I tell people you can't eat that universal healthcare shouldn't even be in the picture right now. And here's why. 
We are so unhealthy in this country. And I'm, I'm tired of people putting on kid gloves and saying it's people have hormone problems. It's poverty. It's this. It's that. No, it's we make terrible health decisions in general. Amen. Is there a lot of outside forces that influence us? Absolutely, guys. I work for the FDA and U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. I saw it firsthand. Don't send me nasty emails. I get it. But any program that can be instituted, especially by the federal government, will go bankrupt. That's how sick and fat we are. It is unsustainable with our, the level of health that Americans are at today. It is so get it, get universal health right out of your mind. Just ditch it. If we get that, if you're waiting for that to fix your problems, you're living in unicorn land. So stop it. What you need to do is figure out how to get healthy and how to acquire affordable health care insurance on your own. Work at a job that has it. I went in the military to get insurance, well, to serve my country. But part of it was also to have health insurance because like I said, I didn't have it. <laughs> to the day I joined, I didn't have health insurance. I needed it. I didn't have dental care. I knew I wanted those things. You have to figure it out. I know it's tricky, but having someone take care of your health care needs, it, A, is not the right answer. B, the only time I think it's fair to have universal health care is when, as a population, we are trying to be as healthy as we possibly can be. Then we can have the discussion. Yep. But sitting on your fat ass, playing video games, drinking Red Bull, and eating friggin' bagels or whatever you're eating and Cheetos and, and Doritos, I've seen it. I've seen people's shopping carts <laughs> when I go on the road. I see what people eat. <laughs> I don't look to me to support you. It's not going to happen. And that's why I teach health so much and it's so important. I'm not fat shaming. I'm not, I'm not belittling you. I'm giving you some tough love because you need to wake up. And I'd say this because I provide all the information. I give you everything you need to be healthy in my health book, on my blog. I, I have plenty of information for you. It works. Trust me. I've got thousands, if not tens of thousands of people now who have changed their health. So I had to go on a soapbox there a little bit, Brian, before we get in a little bit. I'm going to catch some feedback on some of my health angles, but I've just decided to take off the gloves because <laughs> the problem in America is we're not just losing the bow. We're getting our fat ass kicked. I mean, we are yep. so big in this country. People don't understand the second Obesity and ranking of obesity is China. They've got over 1.2 billion people. <laughs> and they're we literally have a third, a third of China's entire population. A fourth? Because, well, well yeah. depending on count, we don't know what the illegal alien population It's a little, little dicey on those last 10 to 20 million people in the country. But yeah, literally. And, and you go, that is ridiculous. We are just a couple pounds. I may have mentioned this on your show, but I mentioned all my, my speaking events. People don't know this. Most Americans don't know. We are men and women are just a few pounds on average from averaging obesity in this country. We will hit it in the next 12 months. Guarantee it. This country will be averaging obesity in the near future, in the very near future. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what to say to that. I don't even know what to say. We are doing something really wrong 
And so I'm not going to tell you sweet things in your ear and, and massage your back and tell you it's not your fault. No, it is your fault. <laughs> it is. You're the one who takes that hand and shovels that food into your mouth. No one else does it. It's all on you. And we'll talk about that because you probably, you had to go through all this, right? Oh, not even a question. I mean, I got, so my basic health story um, to start was, you know, I grew up in a, in a, a you know, morbidly obese uh, childhood um, just because when I was growing up, my, my grandpa, who was uh, the guy who picked me up from, from nursery school, whenever we, you know, finish the day, we'd, we'd go to, to Burger King. That was like, that was the thing. Like we, we finish school, go to Burger King, go home, eat my cheeseburger, get my happy toy or, you know, the, the kid's toy, whatever it was from, from Burger King. And, and, you know, that was just normal. Um, you know, every portion day. size every day. I mean, like, wow. it, yeah. And grandpa didn't think anything of it. I mean, he just, he was like, yeah, he's, he's my kid. He's great grandpa. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, I, of course I didn't think anything of it. I mean, you know, I'm eating Burger King for lunch every day, pretty much. And that was just normal. And then, you know, the, the portions also became a big thing. Cause you know, you're, you're eating this really it's, it's, it's nutrition, you know, lacking food and you, you're not getting you know, satiated. You're still so hungry. So I was eating more, but just as empty calories. And, um, it just, it just started to balloon upon itself. And by the time, you know, I was in probably fifth grade or so, I was already up, you know, well over 200 some odd pounds and, um, ended up, I, I peaked at around, uh, you know, 17 at 385 pounds. Um, and it was, it was, you know, one of those things I didn't really realize how, you know, how heavy I was. Cause I mean, I, I mean, first and foremost, I'm six, five. So I, I, I carried the weight very air quotes relatively well. Um, yeah. And whenever, you know, I tell, I would, I would tell almost nobody how much I weighed, but you know, I had a few close friends who I tell. Um, and they say, really? Like, no way. And I was like, yeah, three, three eighty five. They're like, I, I would think you're maybe three fifteen, three twenty. And I'm like, no, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm a big guy, but yeah, I, I was, you know, morbidly obese quite, quite literally. So um, it, it really, the thing that, that hit me was, I had a doctor's appointment. I was, you know, sitting there um, for my physical. How old and um, I, was, I was 17. I was still 17. Um, and this was, this is actually the, the heaviest I got at 3D5. It was because of this conversation. Um, I was, I was sitting there and I was you know, getting my physical, getting ready to get the, to go do college um, applications. And um, she, she walks in, she goes, so I have good news and bad news. And she's like, the good news is um, you know, right now your blood pressure everything, it looks fine. She's like the bad news is if you keep eating like this, um, and you, you don't lose some weight, you're going to die like soon, like just cause your body's not gonna be able to handle the, the excess of weight for prolonged periods of time. And, um, I was like, I, that, like, you know, you're 17, you don't really think about death. That that's not something that's ever really no. at the forefront of your mind. Um, so for me, it was kind of like, okay, that's, that's scary. Like I, I don't want to even have to consider, um, you know, my, my impending doom. So let's, do something about it. Um, so I was, you know, very, very self-conscious and I, I didn't want to go to the gym. I still felt like, you know, I, I just didn't have the physique that I needed. Um, so I ended up, I started to my, I, my family was, a um, an old farming family and we have an old uh, barn at our house. And every night, um, from like seven o'clock at night until around nine, I would literally just walk up and down the empty, um, walkway in the barn, uh, which is, you know, 200 feet each way. Um, I would probably go back and forth well over, you know, 200 times or so. And I'm just walking back and forth that night. Um, and that's how I initially lost the first, you know, 20 to 30 pounds, just doing that every night for a, a couple of months. 
Um, and then I started, you know, walking the back roads in, you know, northern New York, which were very rural. So, you know, you didn't really worry about, worry about cars and stuff. And um, from that point, I ended up dropping down to around like 315 or so. And uh, that's when I you know, got involved playing football uh, until I hurt my knee. I hyperextended my knee my, my senior year. Um, but, you know, I got involved in football and it was great. And I started to lose more weight. So by the time I got ready to go to college, I was down to around, I'll say like 260, 265. And, and pretty much all I was doing, Gary, was just cardio. I wasn't doing um, you know, weightlifting. Oh, wow. I wasn't really doing any. I mean, I, wasn't, I, I knew that I should. I, I was like, ah, I should probably get into you know, lifting some weights and getting some muscle mass and stuff more than I have. But it just didn't really... Be, it wasn't something I was really interested in doing. Uh, it was just to me very bro culture. I, I was very anti bro culture. I mean, I was in <laughs> theater and I was in, in band and, and such. And I really didn't get into like the quote unquote bro culture until I played football. And even still, I was like, this is not me. Like, I'm, I'm not a, a bro. I'm, I'm like, turn on the aggression and go smash someone. No, don't, no, get me wrong. I did. And I did it very, very well. Um, nose tackle. It was great because I was being blocked by guys who were quite literally like half my size. Um, so, but no, it was just, I, I didn't like the, you know, going to the gym and, and you know, just you know, the lifting of the weight. Just, it just felt too much. Um, but, you know, I was like, I have to get to doing this at some point. So well, I ended up. Um, I want to talk a little ahead, bit. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I want to stop right there because there's a couple really good, important points. First one is. How did you modify your diet? Did you modify your diet during this time frame? Oh, I did. Yeah. And that's one thing I actually should have addressed. Um, the diet is is probably the most important part versus yeah. the 80%. actual activity. Yeah. I mean, that was and that was really hard for me too, because I had to then start to really focus on the scaling down the not only the what I was eating, but the portions of what I was eating. And it it almost made me embarrassed um when I realized, you know, oh. I used to eat that entire, you know, whole sub and not think twice and, you know, maybe have a bag of chips with it. And I was like, okay, now I'm having maybe a quarter of this, this sub and I'm, you know, maybe having a few chips and like to, to realize that you were putting that much food into your body at a time. I mean, one of my favorite pastimes, I'll sit down with my fiance and we'll watch my 600 pound life on, on TLC. And I sit there and I'm like, you know, I marvel at how much food that they can put down. And then I'm like, but at the same point in time, I was, a you know, about, you know, just shy under 400 pounds. I was, I was shoveling down food pretty darn good too. I mean, a two liter bottle of soda wasn't anything that was, you know, too much of a feat. And that's, that's a evening playing Halo on, you know, on the Xbox with the friends. Um, so changing the fact that yeah, I wasn't going to eat the, you know, just the, the wasteful carbs, you know, the, the carbs such as, uh, you know, pizza pockets or, um, you know, white bread. Uh, I tried to avoid pasta, um, and focus more on just, nutritionally dense foods, um, yeah. you know, having salads and, and having vegetables, um, you know, good berries and uh, having nuts and, and just getting into a different type of, of diet. And I actually didn't really change it to the point of where I am now. Um, but even just that small modification, it yielded just absolutely insane results. Difference. Yeah. I think that's where people get wrapped around the axles. They think they need to make drastic, drastic changes. And that's no. why they fail. I always tell people a step at a time, a little, uh, something is better than nothing. And uh, that's, you know, principle number five of the simple life and number, number four and number five is take action today and every day. Yep. You know, it's, it's the, the small habits add up and you got to put them together and you're slowly shifting your metabolism. You got you to shift your mindset. 
and with the bro culture, I, I find that I find that funny, and I don't mean that in, in a derogatory way because we're two we're very different generations. You know, I'm I'm almost fifty, and I believe you're you're, you're in your twenties or thirties. Yeah, I'm, I'm twenty seven. Twenty seven. That's what I thought, and the you know I'm old enough to be your dad, and then some. But <laughs> you know, it's different. You know, because the millennials grew up with a lot more touchy feely. You know, more don't show your aggression, you know, yeah. like you said, the bro culture and all that. And it's a problem. And I think you would admit to that now that oh, it was yeah. actually hampering you from doing the things you needed to do to be healthy. Yep. And that's insanity to me. We've gotten so soft and gushy, literally and figuratively, that we're actually mocking people for trying to do the right things. <laughs> that's no, you're 100 right. Yeah, that's crazy. And I actually I wrote in a, an article back about I think a year and a half or so ago for the Libertarian Republic, and it was um, about you know the fact that fat shaming isn't a means of trying to make someone feel bad. It's not. It's not even trying to fat shame. It's trying to actually help someone. Um, you know, when you are morbidly obese, I mean, yes, you you can you can go through the well. You know, I'm beautiful on the inside. It's what I feel on the inside. That's all well and good. You're still physically, biologically not safe. You're not healthy. Your body is 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 hurting, and, and yeah. you're putting so much excessive strain on, in your body. And it's so important to to you know take care of your body because, and as we discussed in my show um, back when you were on Gary, like your health is one of the most important fundamental pillars of just you know maintaining your sense of self. And and when people let their health get you know worse, not only does it impact their physical health, but it does have a, a negative oh, impact Huge. on everything else. It's a domino effect. Yeah, and not only that. What, what, the fat shaming, you know, obviously someone created that term. I, I remember the first time I heard it, I went, what is that? And, then, you know, and I found out very quickly, I, uh, I called someone out on their weight who deserved it. And uh, I got instantly called a fat shamer and lit it up. And I went, I don't get it. I went, I have a simple saying, if I'm digging a hole of stupidity, Please take the shovel out of my hand, slap me before, so I stop digging deeper and deeper. I'm a little bit, I, I don't think I was different as a human being. I don't think I am. I think there's a lot of people out there that say the same thing. I'm one of those people, if I'm doing something really stupid, <laughs> let me know. Yep. You know, I, I mean, tell me. I, I want to stop. I, if I can't figure it out, tell me and let me know. And, and there's a way to go about it. You just don't walk up to someone and go, hey, fat ass, why don't you eat less? No, that's not the way to go about it. But some people do need that as well because you're like, hey, obviously you've been doing this for decades and you're not listening to anyone. But it's more of, I look at it in a sense of you're being selfish too. You're being selfish to yourself in a way, obviously, but you're being selfish to all the other people now that have to support the burden of you not taking care of yourself. And people mm -hmm. have a real difficult time kind of wrapping their arms around this concept that I talk about. I go, but you have to look at it this way. It would be, there's no difference than if I went out in society as a drunk driver. I'm an alcoholic. I've chosen to be an alcoholic. Yeah, and some people right. go to disease. Yeah, that's an argument. <laughs> that's a rough one. 
I don't think it's any different than overeating and habitually overeating all the time, eating terrible food. It is somewhat of an addiction, but it's a self-induced addiction, right? There's some yep. chemical wiring that goes on, some other things, but it's mental as well. You know, there's mental and physical. But I go, that alcoholic and that drunk driver who goes out and kills someone is a burden upon society. So how are you separating yourself by being obese and causing, you know, you, you show up to work less often, you're sick more often, you go to the doctor more often, you know, you, you, you use more resources as, as far as, you know, I hate to be graphic, but, you know, plumbing, <laughs> sewage. <laughs> I mean, there's a whole host of things that you're doing that I consider selfish. And I hate to be that way. I don't want to be that negative, but it's true. And I don't want people who are overweight to think they're a burden. You're not a burden. There's a whole host of things that go into this. We have some serious issues in corporate America, drug America, pharmaceutical America, medical America that definitely helps this along. But what I tell people, we still were in the luckiest country in the world. I've been to a lot of crappy places. And trust me, it's pretty good here. We got our problems. Oh, yeah. But we have free will. Right? I mean, we do. And that's why we say that donut doesn't get on it in your mouth on its own. That's the thing I, I want people to understand. We're trying to help. <laughs> that's why you're yep. on the show. I want you exactly. to get, I want you to lose the weight. I want you to be healthy. That's why I'm so passionate about it. I know people get offended at some of the things I say, I don't do it for shock value. It's all based upon trying to help you. And I'm trying to give you the facts and bring, and bring Brian on because Brian is pretty straightforward with his, his weight issues. Yeah. I mean, you have to be like, I mean, that's, that's the thing yeah. too. It, it's part of, it's part of my story. Um, and it's part of, you know, why I, I believe what I believe because, you know, it's, it's really easy to have this woe is me. It's, it's everybody else's fault mentality. But when, you know, when push comes to shove and, you know, your doctors tells you you need to lose weight or you will die like at a very young age. And that's just reality. Then you get, you're facing your hardest competition. And it is the man in the mirror. And you have to realize that regardless of all the good feelings that people try to, you know, spread towards you and, and you know, all the, the, bo the body positivity, that's great, but it doesn't change the ticking time bomb that's still inside you. And if you actually want to see, you know, tangible physical results from, you know, you know, your body changing in a positive way, quite literally a positive way, then it requires the hard work and it requires the hard choices. And that includes, you know, doing the, the right thing versus doing the easy thing. It, it means, you know, going to the store and spending time to, to build a shopping list and buying healthy foods to bring home and cook versus, you know, picking up your phone and you know, putting an order to, to Domino's on, on a smartphone app. Like, sure, that's easier, but it's so much more detrimental to your health and it's so much better detrimental, you know, to just your, your livelihood. I mean, you're spending extra money uh, on, you know, food every single week just because you're having it delivered to your door or, you know, you're spending you know, time and energy uh, in the future and money in the future on having to deal with the, the health consequences that will, you know, inevitably come from you eating the way you're eating today. It's, it's you know, what are you, what are you trying to do? Rob Peter to pay Paul? Are you trying to, to pay today, but you'll end up paying tomorrow as well? You know, what's, what's the, the real goal of what you're doing? Is it that you're just looking for that short-term fix, the, the quick puff of the cigarette almost, or 
you know, are, are you really trying to consider what's this going to do for my long-term future? You know, and then it comes to the, the point of saying, okay, well, I have to take some personal responsibility. You have to do something yourself in order to change. Otherwise, everything is going to remain the same. Um, you know, going back to that show, My 600 Pound Life, that's one of the, the reoccurring themes with the people who either um, fail versus those who succeed. And those who succeed are people who say, I got myself to this point. I really messed up. Now I have to do my part to get myself out of this. And they're all on board. Or it's the people who, you know, woe is me. This, you know, was all because of my childhood. All these, you know, these issues I had in my life or all the circumstances I found myself in. And, and now I can't get better because you know, these people aren't helping me or I'm not getting the attention I need, whatever it may be. And, and you'll see those people will fail. It happens yeah. you know, probably 80% of the shows, to be quite honest, Gary, um, because it's easy to, to, to think that it's somebody else's fault. Well, it's and, victim, it, victimhood. It's a hundred percent victimhood. And if you refuse to take that self-ownership and take that responsibility upon your shoulders and say, okay, I goof, and now I have to do my part to, to ungoof, um, it, you're, you're going to remain where you are. So that's why it's so important to you know, live in, in well, I like to say a, a, you know, living a libertarian lifestyle, you know, you, you get in life, what you put into life, you know, if you, responsibility. If you sit, yeah, if you sit on your, your, your butt playing video games all day and you know, eating, eating Cheetos in your mom's basement, and then complain that you don't have enough money to move out of your, your mom's basement instead of spending time, you know, you know, maybe looking for, for bettering your skills on the online classes or, or you know, trying to, to pick up a trade or, you know, trying to do something to better yourself. Right. Then, then you're, it's your fault. And, and, you know, it's easy again to blame like, Oh, well, you know what we need to do? We need to tax the uh, tax, the rich people to pay for this, this, and this. It's like, no, get, get off your ass and do something like actually put something, make an investment into yourself. And that investment yeah. is going to be a short-term pain because you're giving the money away. But what you're going to get in return in the long run is so much more beneficial to your overall longevity. And that's something that people need to start to, to grasp. Well, and that's what I talk about. I mean, we're on the road to ruin health-wise. I mean, <laughs> we're, we're pushing a point where we're going to cross and we're not, we're not going to be able to get back. I mean, because it's, it's it will bankrupt this country at some point. That's how bad it is because you become so unproductive as well. And, you know, what we hear is again, well, I, we're going to have to pay people a living wage. <sighs> you know, here we go again. You know, we make plenty of money in this country. We just blow it and we don't save and that's part of going back to that too. I wrote a whole chapter on my financial freedom book. It's available people on Amazon. It's doing well by many of them. I wrote a chapter. The first, <laughs> well, the first chapter is on your health and how much it costs you over your lifetime by eating out and, and not preparing your own meals. And I didn't even get into the healthcare cost. It's a lot of money, people, a lot of money. I, if I would have thrown in lack or lost productivity on top of it, it would have been astounding amounts of money. And, and what do people complain about the things most? I want to be healthier, yet they make no effort. They say, I want more money. The, again, don't make any effort. And they don't have enough time. And those are all three things that I prove we waste. It, it's all on us. Mm -hmm. But if you improve your health first, it's like the first stumbling block because everything else just stacks up after that to become much easier. 
You get your health in order. Well, guess what? You end up being more productive. You feel better. You actually can communicate with people. You can remember things. That was the first thing I found when I changed my health. I was never overweight, but I was the, you know, the, I was the, the kind of the genesis of the Velveeta and white bread sandwiches and, yep. and Miracle Whip mayonnaise. I ate a ton of those as a kid. I probably oh, ate 50,000 bowls of Fruit Loops and Captain Crunch too. I say may- mayonnaise sandwiches were like a go-to staple for, you know, oh. The, uh, the, oh, we, we needed to, uh, to have dinner and we didn't get the chance to go to the grocery store. So I, I completely understand. We, you know, my generation was the real pro- heavily processed foods. Yep. Um, but the difference was with my generation is we were outside. We were free range yes. kids, big time. I mean, there was no, my parents didn't know where I was probably about 80% of my life <laughs> growing up. <laughs> and no one did. No one had a clue where their kids were half the time. We were just out running around. So we were able to burn off those excess empty calories. We were still really unhealthy, but we were just skinny and healthy is what it was. Right. And that's kind of what's changed now is now we have that perfect storm of lack of activity and a poor diet. And people would be blown away by how much money is spent on antacids and and irritable bowel syndrome drugs and over-the-counter things to deal with digestive issues. It's a huge industry in this country. And I'm going to tell you one of the things that goes away is that (laughs) you start to feel better. and the productivity, when my memory, I couldn't believe it because I wasn't technically overweight. I was, I was in ideal weight, but I didn't feel good. I was wrecked. My health was at wit's end at the end of my thirties. And so I finally went into ancestral health and I had kind of been dabbling in it, but I didn't quite understand it. I was an athlete. I was following, you know, drink Gatorade, eat a bunch of carbs and just exercise yourself to death. That's what I was taught. And it was killing me. It was slowly killing me. Well, the first thing that came back, my mental acuity. I mean, drastically, I went, holy shit, I, I can actually think. Yep. <laughs> I went, I went, I'm yeah. not. And you, what was amazing is, I, as I noticed, as I started feeling worse and worse, my decisions became worse and worse. I would make these strange, um, almost a lack of control. It, it really, the instant gratification yeah. yes. kicked yes. in to overdrive during that time frame. I mean, habitual buying things. I would buy shit that I didn't need for a second, but I couldn't control myself. <laughs> and part of it was consumer nation, but part of it was I just couldn't make a good decision half the time. And that's what I mean. You get your health in order, all of this stuff just starts to solve itself. It just falls in line. What's that rule uh, or that saying from Platoon? It was what, uh, uh, what was it? Get your... Point your head in the right direction and your ass will follow. <laughs> yeah, I think it's something I, think that, yeah. I was, I might be butchering it, but it's true. You get your health in order and your ass will follow. It just goes, it just starts to ripple. Talk about that as you went through this metamorphosis, how your emotional well being and how a whole host of things kind of fell together for you. Oh, I mean, it's, it, it's not even close. I, I mean, compared to where I was to where I ended up. Um, so, you know, at the end of my, my weight loss in, entirely, I got down to 205. Um, uh, it, well, it was 205. And then I actually ended up having excess skin uh, surgery. And I had, yeah. a, well, I affectionately called my, my skin baby um, where I had the, the last, you know, little bit taken off and I got down to around 200 solid, um, you know, for my weight. And, um, you know, it was, it was amazing. I just to feel 
it, it's hard to explain, Gary. Like there's just this, this different sense of like being yourself when you're not super self-conscious, like 24 seven, like the, the best way I could say is like, if, if anybody's ever suffered with anxiety, um, just think of what it feels like to be anxious, but it never turns off because you're yeah. constantly thinking about, is this person judging me? Are they looking at my stomach? Are they looking at my chest? You know, are they thinking, you know, I'm going to you know, take up too much room in the, you know, the, the theater. Like there's all these things like you, you, you have to think about, I mean, Gary, the worst thing for me, I, it's funny, like to this day, I, these, these stupid desks still freak me out, but the desks in, in high school where you oh, have yeah, to sit tiny. in and they yeah. were tiny desks. And like, I, I remember there was one desk I, in. It, like to this day, it mortified me is that I couldn't sit in the desk. And, and I, I remember that, that feeling of just like absolute shame. And I was like, you know, that, that, that is something that now I don't even have to think about, but like, you know, go to a restaurant, right? Like you just go to the restaurant with your family. No, like you have to make sure you're, you're not sitting at a booth where the table doesn't move because if the tables is, you know, in place, you, you can't necessarily sit at all the tables. Um, so that was, you know, a big thing just to feel better about yourself and, and honestly, like, you know, feeling more confident in yourself. You know, I definitely noticed I started putting my shoulders back some and, and saying, okay, you know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, having to just so much slouch and hide my, my figure. I, it's okay. Like, you know, I went from being a triple XLT down to a medium and, and, you know, that was just wow. doing cardio. Right. And that, that was it. I went from a, a 46, almost 48 inch waist down to a 34, 32 inch waist. Um, and it was just like, you know, the difference in how I felt and, and just knowing that I accomplished this massive feat, but also that with the health benefits, I just genuinely felt better. I had more energy. There was more optimism. Um, you know, everything had you know potential. I mean, I started picking up sports that I would never have thought of playing. Like I play, I used to play basketball pickup games back in college and I would never have done that otherwise, you know, just because I would never have been able to, to keep up. Um, so it was just so exciting to, to be able to do these new things. And it just really, it, it really exponentially, uh, increase just my self self sense of, of worth and of purpose. And also it's, it's funny. In, and I know that was on accident, but that goes right into step three of your, your, your chair pillar, uh, your pillar of the chair, right. Is, yeah. is that sense of purpose. And it's like yeah. feeling that, okay, I, I've, I've, you know, been, I've accomplished my health goals and, you know, when you're in college, financial goals aren't really something you're too concerned about. Um, but, you know, definitely like I started to work, I got, you know, I got a couple jobs. I was doing like tour guys on campus and, you know, working a, a video store, which believe it or not, there were still video stores out there um, when I was in college. Um, you know, like, yeah, I know. Right. Um, but being able to, you know, start to comp- like, uh, accumulate some, some money to like start, you know, tackling some debt. And then again, that self of purpose, uh, that sense of purpose of self purpose, it, it was so, um, it was so interesting just to see how each of those kind of, you know, dominoes started to, to fall on each other once you, you got the first one going. Um, well, yeah, all three fell in, right? Because now yeah. think of how much less money you're spending on food. Oh, not even, like, not even thousands close. and thousands of dollars a year. On yeah, I mean, I, so it's funny, like one of my, uh, my first jobs after I graduated was I you know, went into uh, to fitness sales. I became the director of uh, marketing for a Gold's Gym. And um, you know, one of the things we'd do before we'd sell personal training sessions uh, was we'd do like a fitness assessment. And um, you know, whenever you get the objections, and I would train the team how to do this, you know, get the objections. Okay, well, here we're going to go through, you know, how much, 
how much do you spend on you know coffee per day and how much do you spend on alcohol per week and and you know all these stupid questions just to like say okay well here here you know you're you, if you were just cut out one cup of coffee a day and that you know they that was the gold gym thing to do so we did it but um but then I actually started to think and it's like wow you know back when I was back when I was you know morbidly obese I was you know going out to eat probably five times a week, you know, going to the deli and grabbing a, like a sub and a, you know, a soda. And, you know, that might've been $11 times five days a week. That's 55 bucks a week, you know, times four weeks in a month. That's, you know, we'll say just for, for math sake, that's 400 bucks or yeah, four, no, 200 bucks a, a month, um, you know, times 12 months. Right. That, 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 all of a sudden it's like, oh, wow. Times, you know, how many, how many years was I doing this? And times, you know, how many years would I be, would I be doing this? And uh, you can start to see like it all really adds up so fast. Um, and then you can direct that money towards other things that are actually, you know, fruitful, whether it's putting it into investments or, you know, something that's, you know, good, like a, a positive you know, purchase for yourself, you know, like a, a, almost a reward. Like, you know, hey, you want to go buy that new um, jacket that you've been wanting because now you can actually fit into it. And I don't like the reward mentality, but like, Hey, that's something that you can actually look back and say, because I didn't do this, I had this money now that I wouldn't have had otherwise that I can use for a different purpose. And if that's, yeah. you know, a, a consequence of me, you know, not uh, gaining weight and actually losing weight, that's, you know, Hey, go ahead. I, I like to be able to do those kind of things. Um, so well, yeah, the concept, it, think of it this way. You gave yourself a pay raise and you didn't make an extra dime. Exactly. And I talk about this a lot too, with people I go, you do not have to make more money to be financially successful. <laughs> I go, you, you gave yourself a raise and all you did was cut things out, which gave you, and I always talk about money equals freedom. You know, we, I think we discussed this on your show. I, I use it all the time. You know, that the more money you have, the more potential freedom you can acquire. The more freedom you have, the less money it takes to maintain that level of freedom. Yep, Exactly. And I just, I wish people would let that sink in because you just gave the perfect example and you did it on a simple concept of changing your health by tweaking your diet. And it saved you at least bare minimum, $2,400 a year, bare minimum. I'm sure there's a whole lot of other stuff in there that you missed. Well, not even think, not even think about like the, the, the health costs, right? Like the, the future I mean. costs like that. That's the part right there that, that I'm looking at now. I'm like, wow. Like just imagine if I had stayed at 385 pounds for you know the past 10 years, where would I be currently health wise? You know, what health issues would I be facing um, that I'm not facing now just because it was going to be an obesity, obesity related illness? You know, would I be you know, at risk for stroke, would I be having issues with diabetes, you know, all these things that people really don't think about. Um, but, you know, there's a real cost to it. I mean, the prescriptions, the the doctor visits, the, you know, the, the co-pays or the deductibles, your premiums, like there's, there's so much that goes into your health, um, especially as you're older. So that's why it's so important, especially when you're younger. And I actually did this when I, I graduated, I, I actually did a health circuit for um, my local gym to these different schools, talking to kids and saying, you know, you're at an age where you're going to go from being the three sport athlete um, senior year, you know, basically doing something physically active every single month, regardless of the the time of year, but you're going to go to college. And if you're only playing one sport, you know, you're going to have to do something to pick up that middle time or that, that, that extra time that you're not working out because now you're not, using all that energy all the time, but also now you're not 
necessarily eating some of the healthier foods maybe your parents were giving you. Now you have the chance to go to the, you know, the, the, the campus center and get your, you know, French fries and chicken tenders every single night. Now, <laughs> is, could you do that? And is it cheap? Yeah. But at the same point in time, are you going to have that freshman 15 or freshman 50? Well, that can happen too. And it, you know, it happens quite a bit. Um, and that's why I tried to you know, teach kids. Like it was so important to focus on the health now and focus on what you're doing as soon as you, you have the chance to, because otherwise you're, you're going to be setting yourself up for, for failure in the, the future. And it sounds so far away, but you know, when that time comes, you're going to say, Oh my God, thank goodness. I did that in the past. And, you know, your, your future self will most definitely thank your past self for sure. Well, here's a good example that I've noticed recently. And I wonder if if you notice this, well, you may be, when I was growing up, it wasn't uncommon for offensive and defensive linemen who played pro football to die pretty shortly after they retired yes. or in their forties, late fifties. Yep. I've seen a big trend in the last five to 10 years, maybe five where these guys get out of the game and they're unrecognizable because they're so Browns. skinny. Have you seen him? He, he, he lost yeah. like, 70 pounds. And he, he was one of the best left tackles in the NFL. And like, when I first saw him, I think he was on Barstool. I, I was like, who is this? And then I'm like, oh, it's Joe Thomas. It's like, he used to weigh 300 and probably, I think like 20 some odd pounds. And granted, you know, a lot of it was muscle, but he ended up, I think he's down to like 240 or 230. And you, he looks unrecognized. I mean, you wouldn't know it was the same person. Yeah. Even Gronkowski, he's shortly, he lost. Oh he, yeah. He, he looks completely different. Yes. And what's happening is these, these guys realize because they've got the best of the best now. When I was growing up, these, the nutritionists weren't, weren't the best in pro football. And they, were, they were jacking them up with all kinds of good stuff. <laughs> um, not to say that that's gone away. But w- these guys now realize, and I think a lot of it does have to do with their nutrition. They're saying, hey, man, when you're out of this game, you, you got to change your habits. And, and not only that, but learning, learning how to eat. Right. That's the biggest thing. And we eat on a schedule in this country. And I always tell people the, the human body is developed to not eat on a schedule. It's, it's, it's designed to eat when you're hungry. Our hormones are, are geared towards that. That's what they're for. That's how they interact. And I go, what we've done is if you don't change your thought process on eating that you must eat breakfast at this time, you must eat lunch, you got to have your snack. I did it. I know this all too well. I ate on a schedule for most of my life. I haven't eaten on a schedule for a decade now. And it's totally different. Like today, have I eaten? Oh yeah, I did. I had a small salad. I had to think. And I forget. I just, because I don't think about eating. My body tells me when it's time to eat and I eat today. I'm a smaller guy. I'm not, I'm not six, five. I'm I'm half you. I'm like five, six and I weigh 143 pounds. I weigh almost the same weight I weighed in high school. Um, But my natural weight is in the one thirties. If I was just to not lift and my body's homeostasis would, and that would be typical. If you were to go out into a hunter gatherer culture, I probably would weigh high one twenties mid 130s at the most because our bodies are geared that way because they need to be efficient. The more weight we put on, the more resources we need. Right. We got to eat more. Well, guess what? In nature, food doesn't just drop on your front door and cooked. You got to go get it. And it's pretty rare. <laughs> it's not around all the time. <laughs> and, and doing that and learning how to eat 
you know, when you're, when you're just, when you're hungry and uh, people kind of misconstrue that too, because like, I'm hungry all the time. I go, you won't be, if you do this right, you do it correctly. Your body will tell you because you will be primarily a, ba- a fat burner. Now there's this whole ketogenic thing and, oh God, I hate all these trends. I've made some enemies because it's just stupid. You can't be in ketosis all the time, people. It doesn't work that way. Your body does not work that way. Just a side note. But you are built to be a fat burner because that's why we can store unlimited fat, but yet we can't store unlimited glucose in this in the form of glycogen. If we did, our livers, everything would be huge. I mean, glycogen in our muscles because glycogen would just keep storing, 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 storing. Well, we don't because we don't need that much blood glucose in that form. <laughs> There's a reason for it. But fat, we can store it unlimited because it's a survival mechanism. Well, evolution, our, you know, our, our genetics didn't know that we were going to have access to, you know, 10 bag pounds of sugar at any given point either. So that was built in. Mother, mother is so smart, you know, I mean, why would it turn off fat storage? Well, you can't get fat in nature. It's pretty hard to do. <laughs> it's really hard to do. Yep. No, it's true. And the fatter you get in nature, you just become a slow tasty morsel for a predator. We are not apex predators on this planet. I hate to break it to people. There are many animals that will eat you very easily in nature. You have no chance. If you don't have a gun and all you got is a stick, you're getting eaten. I guarantee it. If they're hungry, you're done. <laughs> you're not going to make it. And, and it, just that with it, what did you realize once you started to change things? Did you notice that, that those cravings and that cycle of eating on a schedule, did it go away for you? Yeah. I mean, I, I um, it, it's kind of funny because I was very busy back in college and uh, I was in, you know, just name the, the extracurricular or what have you. So I really, I was only eating when I could, but I found that when I could wasn't necessarily when I was hungry. Um, so I would sometimes eat only once a day and, you know, maybe a protein shake, but that was fine for what I was doing. I didn't really focus on, you know, having to, to, you know, make it a point to, you know, go get food because it was lunchtime or, or what have you. Um, but I will say then I started to, to get more into to weightlifting and then I definitely started to eat more yeah. just because my body was, you know, it demanded more food. And, you know, that, that was one thing I had to mentally change a little bit was, you know, it was okay to eat more food now because my body, my body needs it in order to grow. Um, which, I, I will tell you, it was a weird thing to start seeing the numbers and the scale go up, um, but be it a good thing. It was it was a little scary at first. I was like, oh my God, I'm 210 again. Like what I do wrong? I'm like, no, I'm getting stronger. I'm getting you know more muscular. My, my body mass is increasing just from the, the sheer fact I'm lifting weights finally and yeah. I'm doing things that are, are different to my body. I'm, I'm getting mass. Um, so that was when I really had to, to make it more of a point to, you know, to start eating more. Um, but even still, like the energy levels were still through the roof because I was still you know, doing more low carb, not necessarily like no carb, but definitely lower in carb. Um, and I, I noticed that I felt better just because I was you know, doing the, the lower carbs. And then, you know, I would, I would you know, have a sandwich every now and then, um, which, you know, would, was whatever what it was. It wasn't anything that I really thought too badly because I was very active still. Um, so yeah, I mean, long story short is I even to, to this day, I, I still do a, I call it a keto-esque diet, which I know you don't like keto, 
Um, which is no, I like keto. I like the diet. I just, I hate the way people define it and turn it into a trend. I teach keto, low carb, high protein, paleo primal into my mix. I mix them all together because those concepts and all I need to do an episode. I do it during my live speaking. I talk about it. Those are all good element. Keto is a great element, but what it's been teach taught being taught now is a lifestyle. The human body doesn't work that way. Our body is in ebbs and flows of energy, energy storage and energy utilization. It's the, so that's why I say eat when you're hungry. Well, the more you exercise, the hungrier you get. That's part of the deal. <laughs> it's how the body works. You need to replace right. those calories back in. And low carb, you, you could spend a day low carb naturally. There could be days when you would be high fat. There would be days when you would eat nothing but carbs. It, it, it flows because our energy flows. So days that I don't do anything, I don't work out, which is very rarely. I get exercise pretty much every single day, just not high impact. I don't eat that much that day. I might eat a thousand calories, maybe. Honestly, that's how low it is. And do you I'm think, a think about that when you do it? Like, do, do you, do you no, like, I have no, no idea. I didn't know what I was doing in because t- I don't, I've never, I don't count, cal- I've never counted calories because right. I don't need to. I, I, I go by feel. I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a hunter gatherer guy. I'm a out in the woods guy. <laughs> I, I let my body tell me what it needs to do. And calorie wise, I just didn't analyze it. I, once I kind of dialed everything in years ago, I kind of went, well, God, I didn't eat that much today. I wonder how many calories that is. And most of the time it was under a thousand calories. Now, but there could be days when you could eat three, 4,000 calories. That's what I mean. It, and you're, the way your energy systems kick in and your metabolism, people always think it's either up or down, just straight up and downs. It's not. It's, it's a wave. You go through these waves and your body will click in to, okay, I need, I need blood glucose now. I need it right now. Well, that's your high energy system. That's your glycogen. That's the glucose that's already in your blood system. That's your quick burn. Your fat's a slow burn. Protein and fat can be turned into glucose through gluconeogenesis. Most people do not understand this concept. Even dietitians, I've heard them say it completely wrong on numerous shows. That means your body has the ability to convert protein and fat into glucose. Huh. Interesting. So what does that mean? Technically, you do not need any carbohydrates because fat and protein are the only food sources you need to survive. Do I recommend that? Well, no, you don't have to go to that extreme. People who have high sensitivities to, uh, they have high food intolerances. The carnivore diet works really well for them because you eliminate yep. most of the things that are going to affect you. But that's, that's, that's the, that's the exception, not the rule. So I tell people, your daily and, and, and a hunter gatherer would eat seasonally. You know, naturally, humans anywhere where there was four seasons for winter, you would bulk up. You would eat, you would try and bulk up just like a bear does. Bears look for berries. When they're trying to put on weight, they're looking for berries because fructose is instant fat storage. Fructose is fat storage on steroids. That's what it does. It's like, I think it can store fat at 40 times the rate of, of glucose or uh, sucrose. Well, no, wait, sucrose. 
no glucose. I'm sorry. I had a mix up. Sucrose is glucose and fructose. Um, and so you have to look at it that way. People like everything black or white in nutrition and in physical activity. Your body is a crazy chemistry experiment going on at all times. The one thing it always wants to try to get back to is homeostasis though, equilibrium. It's always trying to do that. It's a survival mechanism. If you have these crazy spikes up, crazy spikes down, that, that is actually harmful. And that is the American diet and sedentary lifestyle we're in today. It's shoot up in sugar, blood sugar, shoot down in blood sugar. That is going to shorten your life. They've done studies. The more, the, the more insulin that your body produces over a lifetime, the shorter that life will be. Pretty simple, guys. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. And that's what I'm known for. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't know if you've researched a whole lot of my stuff, but I'm known as the simple guy. That's why I call it the simple life. We, we clutter up health and wellness so badly. I always say, just put yourself in nature. What would you have access to? That's it. And people go, oh, it can't be that simple. I need Gatorade. I need my goo. I need my gels. And No, you don't. No, you don't. Gatorade is the biggest scam that has ever been created in the health industry. It is a useless product. Does nothing <laughs> besides inject you with sugar and chemicals. That's about it. Yep. And I'm probably going to get sued by Gatorade now. But it's honest. I'm being truthful. Uh, the Gatorade of nature is spring water. It's all there. Everything you need <laughs> right there. And I'm lucky I have a well, you know, my well is I'm in the top of a mountain. My water is pristine. I noticed the difference. I grew up in the mountains. I grew up on a well, you know, there's a huge difference between well water and tap water in most municipalities. It, 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 I can taste it instantly. I can smell it. I can smell the difference. It's just that kind of stuff. You know, it's just simple things. And I think that's what you were learning, right? You were learning as this was going that by being overweight and having to go follow this, it was far more complicated than being healthy and being a proper weight. Right? Yep. Would you agree with that? Or did, yeah, I don't know. We'll put words in your mouth, but no, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, um, like I think it's important just, um, Oh, sorry. So sorry. My computer is giving me a heads up. I have 15 minutes of battery life. Cause I forgot my charger at work. So that's my bad. Um, Sorry, what was the question, Gary? I'm sorry, they caught me off guard. Oh, no problem. Well, I, I got my eye on my clock here. We'll give okay. her 10 more minutes and we'll, we'll call her wraps because people okay. are getting sick of us anyway. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I'm no. sorry about that too, by the way. I, oh. I completely forgot. I was like, where'd my charger go? That, as I was answering the question, I'm like, oh, I think I left it at work. <laughs> oh, no problem. Well, what I was saying is, isn't your life far less complicated being in shape at a proper weight than it was uh, when you were overweight and always worrying about food? Um, I don't know. It's, um, it's different to say the it's least. Different. I mean, for me, it's it, simple. It, yeah. It, well, so when you're, when you're constantly thinking about food, um, there's, there's still this sense of when I have the food, it's going to give me this, this dopamine rush. So it's like you almost were rewarding um, yourself every time. So you, you didn't really care so much about the having to think about it. Um, because like the thinking about it was almost like, you know, 
like, oh, I'm going to get to have that wonderful thing today. And it's just like all the time. So it's like this constant feeling of just this rush almost. Yeah. Yep. Um, versus like, I, I will say it's like, you definitely have to be more conscientious when you're, if, if you're eating more clean, I mean, like thinking, you know, my office, somebody you know comes in and they bring in donuts. Like it's really easy in our, like our culture and our society to go in there and just you know, say, Hey, I'm going to have a donut. Um, but like, you know, for me, that's, that's something that's almost like a trigger where I'm like, Oh, that was so good. And they're like, Oh, you know, one more doesn't hurt. Uh, maybe one more doesn't hurt. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. the way sugar works. Exactly. So, I mean, for me, I have to be much more conscious of saying, you know, well, I mean, first of all, I have celiac, so I can't really have it anyways anymore. But, you know, just to say like, I, you know, I shouldn't do this because I know it's going to make me want to have more or, you know, I just won't feel good afterwards. So, um, you know, I, I find myself thinking more now versus when I was before, um, but not necessarily a bad way because it's, I know it's still a positive for my overall health. So it's not like a negative thing. It's just a, just keep, keep the, you know, the, the spidey senses tingling just in case. Well, and that's a good example because people think I'm perfect too. And you get donuts around me, I'll eat three, four of those bad boys. No problem. The key is I don't bring, I don't buy that stuff. I don't never let it in my house. You know, I know better. And people go, well, why if, if we're so inclined to be healthy and mother nature or whatever you want to call it, puts this into us. Why do I crave all this stuff? I go, because it doesn't exist in nature. Our bodies are efficient. Your body only turns things off or on that are necessary. If it doesn't think that, you you know, if you're not going to have access to sugar in nature, because go find it. I tell people, I go, you go roam for four or five miles and you tell me how much sugar you find. (laughs) You will find nothing. And if you're in the winter, I guarantee it will be a big zero. There will be none of it. So having access to sugar, our bodies wouldn't turn off that craving because why would it? You need that craving because it's a survival mechanism. And what I mean by that is you, when you find it, we would, and they've done this with um, indigenous cultures that they gorge themselves. So if they find a beehive, they lose their shit. They will take the bee stings. They got all kinds of procedures and techniques to get that honey away. They're pros. It's wild. They don't have access to it every day. I mean, literally, I saw a video and their bellies were all distended and they're just all, oh, and they're so happy, but that's it. They're not going to get that for a long time. So that, that our bodies know that, okay, I got this and I store it, I use it, I utilize it because later on, I'm going to be starving more than likely. I'm going to need this. So that's why we're hardwired that if we see it, we want it and we're going to eat it. So that's always tell people, you just don't go around it. And they're all, that sounds so simple. I go, it is. (laughs) Just don't bring it home. And I was so true. And if you want, if you're going to have a dessert, you have to go get fresh ingredients and you make it and that's it. It's all, it's gone there. You make enough to where you get that one sitting, no leftovers. It's over done. It works. It sounds really, really simple. And with that, what what advice would you give someone who's battling obesity in order to be successful? First-hand knowledge, because I, yeah. I was never obese, so I don't, I sound like an idiot. Some, I, I don't know. I'd rather um, hear I would, it, you know. I, so I, th- I say the first thing is don't worry about what other people think. Like yeah. when you're going to the gym, like that, that is the number one thing. Like do not, and also I would say is to not worry about like, keeping it to yourself about, you know, you're doing a diet, like don't be ashamed that you're, 
you're doing something to better yourself. Um, don't be ashamed if you're overweight about going to the gym. You know, I was, and I wish I hadn't been because I think it would have only helped me lose weight faster. I actually, I'm, I'm confident it would have helped me lose weight faster. Um, but also like, don't be, don't be worried about like the whole diet thing. Like you don't have to tell people necessarily you're on a diet, but just say, Hey, I'm just trying to eat healthier. That's all I'm trying to just say, just say that. Just and, own and, it. Just own it. Just exactly. You know what? I know I'm big and I'm fixing it. If you come in with that attitude and you come to me and you walk up to me and go, Hey man, I know you're in shape because I've been in the health industry forever. And you go, you know what, man, I'm motivated by you. I'm motivated by all these skinny people in here. I'm owning that I did this. You're going to be far more successful. Guaranteed. And you know what? You're going to get the support because I'm fired up for people like that. I want you to succeed. I'm there. I'm all with you. Yeah. Don't go in there worried about anything else, but accomplishing your mission. If someone calls you fat, you know, the old saying was, well, you're ugly and I can lose weight. But you know, and that's the thing. I think it's a good thing to leave. I'd like to end with this is that, you know, people aren't going to do that. Like, like, and that's the thing, like, and it's, it's the biggest fear that I had is like, people are going to like point and laugh or they're going to snicker at me. Like that doesn't happen. Like when you're at the gym, people are by and large focused on their thing. Like, I, I mean, people, it's, it's like your own kind of like little oasis, yeah. like your own mental oasis. When I'm at the gym, like I am, you know, deep in, in thought or you know, listening to podcasts or listening to music on the treadmill, whatever it may be. And I'm not thinking like, I'm not, you just don't get distracted. It's, it's like you, you're, you're focused on what you're doing there. So don't think that people are, you know, staring at what you're doing and that kind of stuff. Cause they're not. And, no one gives and nobody, shit. everyone's there the for the same reason. Yes, exactly. Like, and that's the thing too, is like, there are people there who I can almost guarantee were in your, your shoes, like, you know, five months ago, 10 months ago, five years ago, and they see what you're doing. They're like, good for you. Like there are people who are cheering you on. And that's the, I mean, that's the fundamental thing to, to know is that people aren't going to make fun of you for doing things that are good for you. People are going to support you. They're going to encourage you and they're going to be there to help you. So if you need a hand or you need somebody to lean on, then, then tell people that don't, don't try to keep it to yourself and try to do it yourself. Like people are there to make sure that they're your support system, take advantage of it and actually utilize it. And it, it will help you, you know, get your, your results faster. It'll help you uh, hold yourself accountable to your goals because now there's somebody else who's helping you, you know, hold yourself accountable as well because they care about you. And they care about your success. Well, absolutely. Not only that, but it, it, you have to develop a thicker skin too, in general. Everyone. I don't give a shit what anyone thinks half the time. I don't care. <laughs> and you know what I mean? I don't mean it to let where I let my myself go where I do things that are detrimental to me or others. It's more of, I know what I need to do. I own everything that I do wrong and I fix it. Every problem can be fixed. And that's how you have to look at it. You're just trying to better yourself. And I always look up to people to motivate me. So I look for people who are better than me at what I do. And it took me a while to figure this one out in life. But that's where my motivation lies. I always look up to some, what are they doing? How are they doing it better? Okay, I need to pick that piece from them. I need to pick that piece and do that. Go in there with the attitude of, I'm just going to see what other people are doing. And if you struggle, struggle, get help, get a personal trainer. Yes. And don't pick the overweight one just like you. <laughs> I've seen people do that. Yes. They need to 100%. be in shape. They need to practice what they preach. 
they will get your ass in line. <laughs> the, I, was, I was literally, I was literally just, I was literally just thinking about this today. That's why I'm laughing. Times. I know, there was an overweight personal trainer. I'm like, who is going to take advice from an overweight personal trainer? Like it just, it doesn't make any sense at all. And I was like, how could I can like compare that? It's like, uh, you know, comparing you know who does who? the person who does not want to succeed. Uh, no, you're hundred percent right. Yep. They, they're taking the easiest route. And, and then that can be the excuse. That can be the reason why they didn't lose weight. Well, my personal trainer wasn't good enough. No, it will be. I went to a personal trainer. I that went too. to the gym. They're never going to tell you that if their personal trainer was overweight too. They're yep. just going to gloss it over. And that's what I mean. You need to find someone who can mo- motivate you and, and, and pushes you, you know, not someone who's just going to say, well, you know, we'll do a little cardio today. Oh, this, and that's chit chat. No. <laughs> it's business. When me and my clients got together, well, they were high end athletes, but we would chit chat while we were working out. Yep. <laughs> and I used it as an exercise because it's harder to breathe and talk and work out at the same time. So it's actually additional stress and it actually helps your conditioning that much more. I believe and, it. Yeah. Because in the military, we would be taught to, uh, the reason you would march and, uh, you would keep cadence is because, and you would have to, you know, verbalize it is it, it's more of a workout to have to speak or yell or verbalize while you're doing cardio at the same time. It's far harder. It's way and, harder. I was going to say, and that's why, you know, I, I will never, um, never understand people who like assume people in theater aren't like athletic. I'm like, go, go try to do a, a musical dance number and sing and dance oh, for, you know, brutal. an hour and a half to, to two hours on stage in makeup, heavy clothes. You know, it's, it's, you're under the lights. It's so hot on stage and, uh, oh yeah, you have to do it pretty much nonstop. Like good, good luck. Um, oh, it's a skill. No, it is a skill. I mean, I, I loved it. I did it back when I was in college. I was in three musicals. And I loved every second of it. But like, you know, that's, that was, it was, it's hard. Like it's, it's a very difficult thing to, to do all that at once physically. I mean, it, people don't realize um, what really, what it does to you. Hey, art's a beautiful thing. And, it is. Yes, I, it is. And, and people misconstrue that about me too. They don't understand. I have a very, very artistic side. And it's a balance, you know, it's an artistic side is the creative side and that's where our creativity comes from. So no way would I ever say dancers don't have skill. They have a ton of skill and anything. And that's, it's a perfect segue to the very end too. do what you enjoy. That is the easiest way to stay motivated for exercise. If you were a dancer and you love to dance, dance for your exercise. Yep. You know, do what you enjoy and you will stick with it that much more. And that doesn't mean sitting on the couch, picking your nose. That's not exercise, but anything like I ride bikes, you know, I love the mountain bike. I love the road bike. I hike me and my dog, you know, those are things I enjoy. I yeah, like I've gotten to, I say, I've gotten to love lifting weights. I mean, that's, that's what oh. I find passionate. I, I mean, like the, the going to the gym, just like that feeling, I just, I love it. So like for me, I mean, I'm now finally at a point where I feel very confident in my body now and more comfortable. I'm at 260. You know, I, I love lifting. It's just, it's something that I find enjoyable. So right there, like it doesn't feel like you're going to the gym to oh, go work out. You're going to the gym to do something you like to do in my case, but yeah, like find that thing, whatever it is, play basketball, you know, Zumba, whatever, you know, a, a personal training class with, you know, a group instructor, whatever it may be, find the thing that is yeah. going to clip to you. Well, and uh, simply 
humans were meant to lift heavy things. That's what we did. Not all the time, but that's what we're, we're geared for. I mean, those shelters didn't build themselves. So yeah, that's a great, great way to leave off. We'll do it before your battery completely croaks. Maybe we'll do a part two. Um, I love that. I have some more questions in there that I wanted to bring up. So we'll, we'll do a part two to this. Um, Cause oh, I want to talk that. about yeah. more of what you're doing today. We've gone okay. through the past and we've kind of gotten to how you lost the weight. So let everyone know um, where they can reach you and uh, the best way to get a hold of you and for sure want to share. Yeah, absolutely. So, and Gary, again, thank you so much for, for number one, coming on my show, um, but giving me the chance to come on yours. And I hope that, you know, this is a part of my story that, you know, people who are longtime listeners, even for my show, they, they really haven't heard the details of it in terms of my weight loss. Um, so hopefully this is inspiring to some people just to help get them going. But as for me, um, if you enjoyed, you know, hearing my story, um, but maybe you wanted to hear some more of the politics that I'd like to discuss, you can find me over on my show, which is the Brian Nichols show. Uh, and you can find it anywhere you find podcasts. So, um, you know, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, Spotify. Um, you know, right now we actually uh, are ranked in iTunes on the We Are Libertarians Network as one of the top um, political shows. We'll come up in their search algorithms and stuff now for on their main page. That was very exciting. Um, so again, thank you to just the audience oh, in awesome. general who's been listening to us. Yeah, it, it's it's so cool to see that, that we're, we're having that much of an impact and we're actually bringing a, a very needed alternative voice to the political uh, fray. Um, now, as for me on social media, uh, I can be found over on Twitter and on Facebook, both at B Nichols Liberty. Um, I do a lot of my social com- or my uh, my political commentary over on Twitter. Um, and I do a lot of fun memes and um, articles and such over on Facebook. So uh, you get a nice little bit of uh, back and forth, um, both from the, the comedy, but also more of my you know, political insight over on Twitter. Um, but no, if, if people want to get in touch with me, otherwise, you can go ahead and email me at Brian at Brian com, And you can find all the episodes for my show, The Brian Nichols Show at BrianNicholsShow.com. We have, I think we're on 85 now. Um, great episodes, Gary, you being one of them. Um, you know, I was the one who got you ranked on iTunes, right? Yeah, that's the one, of course. <laughs> um, but I mean, I've, I've had a lot of great uh, guests, you know, Gary from yourself, um, Justin Amash, uh, Jeffrey Tucker from uh, the American Institute for Economic Research, um, Larry Sharp, who, again, I mentioned ran for New York State governor um, and a slew of other uh, great, great uh, minds. So it's it's a great chance to you know, hopefully test your, your political boundaries. We want to hear a different point of view that maybe you haven't wanted to consider in the past, um, or you just wanted to hear um, a lot of really interesting people telling their stories um, or their, their, you know, entrepreneurial uh, adventures, um, their, their, your history in politics, whatever it may be. It's a great show to, uh, to really, you know, hear some, some fun uh, educational enlightening uh, conversations. And hopefully you, you walk away feeling a little bit informed as well. Can is your Twitter and Facebook uh, connected to your webpage? Can they they are, yes, they okay, are. Okay, good. People can find me. I forget. I don't even put. I, I don't use social media really, so I forget. <laughs> but I figured I always put their main webpage, so I figured because it's always it's always there. Yeah, you can find everything on my uh, my main page, BrianNicholsShow dot com. Yeah, okay, and that's where we'll we'll send everyone to go. Everyone, make sure to hit that subscribe button for my show and Brian's, and leave reviews. That's how we spread the word. That's what people look for. They read those things. So make sure to leave reviews. And uh, like I said, we'll do a part two. And I think we'll talk about what you do now and how you're maintaining. I think that will be a, a really Love it. episode. Well, thanks for coming awesome. on. And I shall chat with you later. All right, Gary. Thanks so much. Looking forward to talking to you again. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. 
Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe. Want to help us reach more people? Give the show a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. Find us at briannicholsshow.com and download the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me on social media at bnicholsliberty and consider donating to the show at briannicholsshow.com forward slash support. The Brian Nichols Show is supported by viewers like you. Thank you to our patrons, Daryl Schmitz, Laura Stanley, Michael Lima, Mitchell Mankiewicz, Cody Johns, Craig DaCosta, and the We Are Libertarians Network. Trust the experts. We're all in this together. If it saves one life. Raise your hand if you heard any of those tiresome phrases over the past year and a half. I know my hand is currently raised. Millions of people across dozens of industries were labeled unessential and forced to lock down with livelihoods and futures crushed in an instant. And as government has continued to expand its power and leverage fear to turn neighbor against neighbor, a group of filmmakers have taken a stand and are determined to help set the record straight on the importance of following the actual science of the pandemic. Follow the science on lockdowns and liberty from the Sound Mind Creative Group is a brand new docuseries highlighting the stories of those negatively impacted over the past year and a half by ineffective government policies enacted in the name of following the science. With noted experts like Nick Hudson from Panda, the Pandemic Data and Analytics Organization, healthcare policy advisors like Scott Atlas, and telling stories of business owners, families, and just your average everyday person harmed by these government mandates. Follow the science on Lockdowns and Liberty is giving us a chance to make sure the true stories of the pandemic are told. So please help us at The Brian Nichols Show in supporting the Sound Mind Creative Group. With noted figures in the Liberty Movement like Dr. Tom Woods donating thousands of their own dollars to this project, you know just how important this project is. So head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash follow the science to donate and catch their brand new trailer to the docuseries one more time. That's briannicholsshow.com forward slash follow the science.